here on the Isle of Misfits, we run into some fascinating people. And today, my friends, is no exception. And this fascinating person happens to be someone I know. And as you know, I like to brag when that happens. And I, I can't help but brag about my friend. His name is Alan Brown. Some of you from the Buffalo area may remember him as Alan Scott because he, among other things, is a radio announcer, a voiceover artist, a scriptwriter, a blogger, a musician, an actor. In fact, what don't you do, Alan? I'd really like to know. Uh, <laughs> I don't do animal balloons. I don't think I do that. <sighs> That's yeah. so disappointing. All right, I got to scratch that off my list. All right. <laughs> yeah, no dachshunds in uh, in the balloon world. Alan, welcome, <laughs> welcome to the Isle of Misfits. We're so glad to have you here today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So, oh, you were so welcome. And um, okay, so we've known each other for a while now. We were just trying to figure out how long we've known each other, and did we did we ever figure that out? Uh, we've known each other since 2003. 2000, okay, all right, 2003-ish, so that, that sounds about right. I met you um, at Eastern Hills Wesleyan Church when I uh, joined the staff there um, as right. their official creative weirdo, and part of that job description was uh, writing and directing and really letting people like you do your thing with your talents as actors uh, for some of the creative elements we did in church. And that yeah. that is how we connected. Yeah, I think the first thing that, that you asked me to do, you were directing a short vignette. Uh, you were actually videotaping the segment that you wanted to set up um, a sermon, and so I came and, and to to the area. We shot the the scene, and this uh, so wasn't even live on on stage at the church for that particular thing. But that's the first time you and I actually worked together, and that was that stuck in my head. That was very memorable because I I didn't know what to expect as far as you being a director and 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 being talented in that area. And, uh, and I was so used to directing other people myself, coming from a director background, so I wasn't sure what to expect, but what was great was that I knew exactly what you wanted, and, and you knew that I knew that, and that we clicked right along, and that was the first, first big splash for you and I. And you stuck around. That's the amazing thing. Now, hearing you say that, it's like, I'm glad, yeah, I'm glad I was blissfully unaware because I knew you were a pretty big deal. Like, you know, I'm thinking of Ron Burgundy and Anchorman. While you weren't the Anchorman, um, you were a pretty big deal. You know, you were like, ooh, it's Alan Scott. And um, so I knew that, but I, I think I wasn't uh, aware enough to be as nervous as I should have been working with Alan Scott, the director, because I didn't even put that on your list of all of your other talents and your resume here. But yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so the fact that yeah, you didn't you walk know, away. What's, inter what's interesting about what you say about that is, is, uh, and and like you, I've, I've worked with so many talented people and 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 well-known people in, in so many different venues of, of, of the art world, and uh, and in the end, as as nutty as we can be sometimes in the end, uh, everybody is just, well, they're just people, you know? And so you, you meet these guys and, uh, uh, and you, you expect something, you know, very high and mighty. And then when you get to know them, they're like your next neighbor, you know, if they're, if they're 
you know, letting down whatever facade that might happen. But the best thing that I learned early on in, in my radio career, and and I, I'm so glad that God showed me that early on so that I don't have to put on a facade thinking, okay, these people need to see something different than who I am. And that's really one of the first rules of, of radio and, and, of course, acting, too, for that matter, is you know, being able to be yourself but take on another character at the same time, which makes for a good combination. Yeah. Oh boy. We could just, we could talk for a long time just about that, that whole idea of yeah. being yourself. And we hear so much about that, don't we? Oh, be yourself. Just be yourself. Um, but I think we have a whole generation of people like, well, what does that mean? Who am I? You know, and we, I, we, you know, just the whole, the whole issue of identity is just fascinating to me. So, yeah. um, but I, for one, I, you know, just to back up just for a second here. I'm, I'm so glad that you stuck around even after that first time that we met and that you, <laughs> that, that it was, uh, you know, it was a good experience for you, for you and, and for us and for me and the team, it was just, it was, those were wonderful years of, of working with such talented people and, and taking chances, you know, and, and that's, you know, that's the thing, you, you know, you take a chance, you, uh, you know, our, our, our motto, I, I don't know if you remember this, but this was always my motto and still is, you know, is what could possibly go wrong? So uh, so we took some risks <laughs> and, um, you know, I think we had some high moments and we had some, you know, some other moments, um, but, but it was just such a wonderful experience and I've just uh, been so grateful to have you as a part of my life then and now you've moved on and we can talk about that in a minute. You live in a different locale, as do I. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk about so many things with you today, but I've already warned you, and my listeners know this, there's a matter of business that we have to attend to first. It's very important. We have to get this off the plate. Um, uh -oh. I okay. challenge, yes, so I, I hereby challenge you to play my stupid game. <laughs> He's ready. You heard it. You heard the enthusiasm in his voice, friends. Okay. So you're, I always custom make these. These are tailor-made for my guests, and yours is tailor-made just for you, although I will, uh, I, I will say that this is, in, in full disclosure, I, it's a revival of a past stupid game. So I've played this before, but I'm making it a little more difficult. So the name of the game is, Is It Casting Crowns or Is It Mercy Me? So your uh. job, you have to guess who the band is. Oh, but I'm not going to make it that easy. Of course, I'm not going to. Um, you have to guess. I'm going to give you, I'm going to feed you uh, a lyric. So you have to finish the lyric, identify the name of the song, and tell me whether it's Casting Crowns or Mercy Me. Can you do that, Alan? Oh, my. Okay. You are a trained professional, so I expect, I have high <laughs> expectations for you. Okay. All right, you well, ready? Let's see what happens. You yeah. ready for this? Okay. All right. Okay. So, all right. And so we'll we'll start with an easy one. Okay. Number one. It's crowded in worship today as she slips in, trying to dot dot dot. I'll sing these if necessary, but you know, hopefully it won't come to that. Yes. Yes. Or that I could speak them in rhythm. Crowns. That is casting crowns. Are you certain? That is casting crowns. Okay. Uh, and no, I will not remember the next line. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you got one. Okay. And then name of the song? Um, no, I cannot remember the name of the song. All right. You got the important thing. And that's okay. So yeah. it, it is Casting Crowns. It's um, If We Are the Body. I believe 
Now, I'm not a professional radio announcer, but I do believe, I do listen to a lot of radio, though. um, I do believe that might have been one of their, if not the first hit for Cassie Brown. I think it was. I I believe so. Yeah, but I don't know the year, so. You know what? I'll tell you a quick quick story about that. I was at WDCX in Buffalo when that song came out, and no one had ever heard of Casting Crowns. And when I got it on my desk, because I was the music director at the time, I said, this song's never going to make it. And and I I did. I put it on my back shelf. You're like the guy that told the Beatles that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Get <laughs> out of here, kid. Song that's never going to happen. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I, I, I thought it would never work, and um, and boy, was I wrong. And I wound up uh, adding it about a month later. Yeah. There you go. Well, hey, you know what? You're brave enough to admit it, and uh, I'm sure they don't hold it against you. <laughs> I had to kick myself in the pants several times. That's okay. That's okay. They um. They they seem to be doing okay, and they're none the worse for the wear. So, all right, you got one. Good job. All right, number okay. two. I'm finding myself in the midst of you, beyond the music, beyond the dot, dot, dot. Noise. There you go. Okay, there's one. Okay, name of the song? No, I mm. don't know the name of the song. I bet you, you, you'll know it as soon as I say it, of course. Um, okay, how about yeah. the... All right, but if it's, not, if it's not the hook, usually I'm I'm not going to grab it. I know. It is me. You, it is you're right. Me. Okay, two for two. See, this is this is where those are the money questions right there. So you you're getting the meat of this. So yeah, um, this is uh, word of God speak. Which again, well, I'm not sure if this was their first one, but this was one of their first. Word of God speak. Uh, I believe that's Mercy Me. You're right. Yes, but it was one of yeah, it was one of their first hits, if I do recall, because I remember, I remember the song was playing the day yeah. I met the man who is now my husband, and that yeah, was. Yeah, I remember uh, when. Yeah, I remember when I can only imagine came out and what we were doing with that, and Bart Miller uh, had been pushing the song, and uh, and we were just so shocked he was going to be going to. Uh, to other secular stations in our market here in Dallas, and we were we were just kind of surprised, and and we thought, why is he doing that? Because you know this is our song, you know, it belongs to Christian radio, and mm. all kinds of weird thoughts like that. But that is the that's the song that I think of as their beginning with us. Right, with us that put them on the map. Radio. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, word of God speaks certainly. It would be certainly one of the earliest yeah okay all right so you were two for two all right let's see if we can go three for three. Oh, i could go all right i could go really easy or give you a challenge i'm gonna let you choose what do you want <laughs> make it easy okay all right i'll do the easy one since i like you okay the giant's calling out my name and he dot 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 i'll give you the words on the other side of it reminding me of all the times i've tried before and failed and I failed at this one. But it is casting crowns. You are right about that. Yes. So, yeah. and the giant, he uh, he laughs at me. But. Laughs. But the voice of truth tells me a different story. The voice of truth. Yeah. Right. yeah. See, right. you got it. You got it. All right. So, Alan. You have done extremely well. You have you have proven to the world that you do know the difference between Casting Crowns and Mercy Me, which 
Not uh, everyone can know, say. Mark Hall is uh, Mark Hall is very different uh, in in his accent from Bart Millard, and I think that may be because Bart was from North Texas, where I grew up. In fact, we know each other, and our families knew him growing up. And uh, and Mark is, I believe, from Tennessee. But what what I think is it is interesting is is you hear their accents. And they are different, and and but vocally, vocally they are similar, and that is a common thing that happens. A lot of people will hear casting crowns, and they'll think it's versus me, and vice versa. So it's yeah, but there are the women in casting crowns, and those female vocals come out every time. So. That's Mercury true. Have You're right. See, that is one telltale sign. So this is that's why this is one of my favorite games to play because you yeah, know yeah. I think I'm well, good, but yeah. like a progressive country kind of thing, you know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and they both are very good, and yeah, I, and you know I think lyrically, you know, you talked about that. I can only imagine how that kind of burst into you know bridged over into what we in the Christian world call the secular market. Um, uh, and that put them on the map. But I, I think, you know, in many ways, they're pioneers lyrically, um, both bands, to talk about just real issues, like to, and to even get real honest. And even, you know, like that song with Casting Crowns, If We Are the Body, yeah. that was kind of an indictment yeah. against the church. And to be so public about that when, you know, I, when so many times I think people think that the church is hiding behind, you know, a veil of, well, we have to put, you know, this this veil of perfection or everything's a okay mm -hmm. and and yeah, I think and, it, and you're right in radio and records uh, there was a period of time where we let the whole Keith Green idea of of how Keith would write his songs challenging the church and then we got into the rose colored glasses kind of idea lyrically for several years and then we except for maybe Steve Camp. And then we got into what Casting Crowns and Mercy Media was doing, and it was kind of a Keith Green revival in the way to approach life and lyric and to, to be transparent and to say, this is what we are doing wrong uh, and how we approach worship, and here's what I need to do to change, et cetera. And, boy, that was so refreshing, and it still is, of course. You're right. You're right. And, you know, and I said they pioneered it, but I guess, yeah, to be fair, you're right, because there were those like Keith Green, Larry Norman was another one. Um, um, but I think it's like this new generation, because unfortunately, a lot of people, you know, in this generation don't like Larry who? Keith who? Which is sad, in my opinion. But um, but yeah, yeah. And I think the transparency, it's painful, but it's also refreshing. And it's just desperately needed because, you know, authenticity it's an overused word but it's it's something that that we're longing for right honesty is always the best policy yes i've heard that where have i heard that before Somewhere, yeah. I just heard my friend Alan say it. So, well, Alan, you did exceptionally well uh, in our stupid game. So, congratulations! And uh, I tell my guests this who dare to play the game with me the exact same thing. So, you're going to hear it from me as soon as I have Island mm -hmm. of Misfits, Isle of Misfits T-shirts. I'm going to send one to you. So uh, that's you know. Thank you. Yeah, I don't know when that's going to be, but you're on the list now. So I will wear, I will wear it proudly. <laughs> Well, I will be proud to know that you're wearing it.
<laughs> down in Texas. So, yeah, so speaking of, yeah, so you are in Texas. So tell us, um, how did you end up in Texas? Because uh, last I saw you, you were in Buffalo. Yeah, uh, I uh, left Buffalo to take a morning, uh, a morning drive shift at a, a Christian network that was just starting down here in Dallas. And, and I'm from Dallas area. You know, I, I, I cut my teeth here with the KLTY and, and a couple of other stations. And so it was like coming home, you know, kind of like welcome back Cotter kind of thing. So I came back and oh, I took that position uh, with a morning show at this Christian network. And 10 days later, the owner of the station who was in Mississippi uh, decided to close it down and go national satellite. So it no longer was a local station. Oh, and wow. we all lost our jobs. <laughs> 10 days in. Wow. Yeah. And Surprise. I here. You know, I just yeah. Welcome back. home. So, yeah. That, you know, that would have been a very different Welcome Back Cotter episode. It would have canceled the show had that happened to him. Of course, the good news was my family was here. You know, all my family, my mom, extended family, cousins, uncles, and aunts. And so it was a good thing. You know, it was a good thing to be back where where I I am familiar and, and uh and sure, you know, I have to get used to 103-degree weather in, in the summer and all that. But, you know, actually, I was ready for it. You know, leaving Buffalo, you know, what, five months of winter, I'm like thinking, yeah, I, I want to bask in 103-degree weather. Right, That's 103 inches of snow trading, yeah, for the 103. Yeah, yeah so yeah, it's a trade-off. Trade I know it's a hard one. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. No more gray snow for me. Right. Although that is a myth. I like to, to educate people about the myth of buffalo snow. My theory is it's the south towns that get all the snow. Um, buffalo just has the reputation, but I digress. Yeah. 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 Well, it certainly was uh, a real awakening when I moved to Buffalo from Dallas. And I thought, great, you know, we were all just like giddy for snow. And when we were actually moving, I was moving my family the day we drove in with our moving van, uh, it, it began to snow. And it was only first week of November. Uh, and, uh, and it's magical in daughter, November. Yeah, I have three daughters. My daughter, Megan, my middle daughter, I remember very well her looking out at the gray skies and the falling snow first week of November. They're still wearing flip-flops. And she says... I hate this. <laughs> and I thought, I'm so sorry, honey, but we just bought a house and yada, yada, yada. And ironically, so yeah, who ended up in she's Buffalo? The one she's the one that stayed after all these years. She's still there. Isn't that funny? And I remind her of that all the time. Remember, honey, you're the one that said you hated snow or you hit early snow. Right. Well, it grows on so, you, I suppose. What she didn't know was that, you know, it doesn't melt for several months. So that, that's the issue. Exactly. So, all right. So she's there, but, and you're here or you're here and she's there. So, all right. So 10 days in job has dis dissolved. So, so now what? Yeah. I went to work for, um, uh, well, I had to get a job right away. I, you know, I just moved and I was, all my savings was gone. And so I, uh, hooked up with the bluefish TV, which is, uh, a media ministry that serves pastors and teachers and, and 
churches with, you know, those loops, those video loops you see. Oh, yes. And, and that's that are done. And so that's what yeah. they were doing at the time. Great. Yeah, I know. Ministries. Yeah. Yep. I know so Bluefish very well. We used it. Yeah. Uh, I worked uh, with them for uh, a few years in the marketing department, working with a lot of pastors. Uh, and then I went back uh, working for KCDI, which is the non-commercial radio station here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And uh, I was with them. And uh, that's where I used to do radio theater and started a radio theater company here. And and, um, and we, we won several awards. And, and it was just such a... a a fun thing to do with some incredible talent, and and I was able to go back there. Although we we did not create another audio movie when I did go back because things had changed and and formats and that kind of thing. But uh, but I stayed there uh, up until February of 2013, and I had a a very surprising health crash that that took me down. And uh, and I I was disabled for several years just trying to recuperate from that. In fact, I, I still am recuperating, literally. And some things so, uh, from that health episode, uh, I will never be the same again. But uh, but that that pretty much ended my my live on the air thing. Uh, after about 27 years of work. Uh, in in radio, so it was it was devastating. You know, it was devastating in my 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 core. You know, it's it's what I knew to do, and I knew how to do it, and I knew how to do it well. And and it was just part of me. It was my identity, and uh, and it was difficult to leave that behind while I am trying to stay alive at the same time. So, very difficult. So February, okay. So after twenty seven years. As in radio, as a professional announcer, uh, personality, this was your life. So February 2013, what do you mind telling us what happened? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, I was found in the bathtub, and I was uh, dead, basically. Uh, my eyes were fixed. Uh, I had a core body temperature of 78 degrees, and uh, that's that's when they stick the thermometer in you like like a turkey, you know, right. uh, into your torso, and it came out 78 degrees, and that's when I got to the hospital. But I had been evidently in the tub for about seven hours, and I had uh, been suffering with a a boil in the back of my head. I'd never had one of those. So treating it at home, you know, doing neosporin and that kind of thing. But it, it felt good to soak it in a Epsom salts bath. So I was doing that quite a bit. And evidently, it, it had gotten infected. And, uh, and I, you know, I know later in the hospital, uh, they said that I had sepsis, which is that terrible... Uh, poison in your blood that just basically kills you. Right. We don't know when it started. Uh, I was told that one time, uh, you know, it happened while I was in the hospital, but it could have happened even before then. But I'm not sure exactly what happened. I It was like 2 in the morning. Evidently, I ran a bath. I probably couldn't sleep. Um, and I 
was found the next morning around 8.30 in the morning. And um, uh, they didn't think I was going to make it at all. Uh, they revived me. Uh, I was put on a respirator, and I was in a coma for about four days. wasn't supposed to survive the first few hours. And I was in a coma for four days and came out of that, and uh, I developed pneumonia and sepsis, and it was a full organ shutdown. So all my organs were coming back slowly, and it got to the point where, um, fast forward, I was there for in the hospital for six weeks, but I was in ICU for three weeks. And I had to learn to walk and talk. I had to learn to swallow. I couldn't write. My motor skills were gone. It was literally like a two-year-old trying to start life again. Hmm. Uh, almost wow. as if I had been a stroke victim. Wow. Wow. So literally, uh, literally, you're starting all over again. Yeah. Yeah, literally. And, and obviously, some of my nerves were damaged. And so... Um, there, there's things that don't work right in my internal nervous system that that are odd. Uh, and I have a scar in my throat from the respirator hose, and uh, which often keeps me from uh, being able to talk for a long time without coughing. So it's very difficult for me to get on the air for any length of time you know, without having that kind of issue. So uh, it, it, it's... It was, um, I, I had to be on dialysis for several months because the kidneys were not coming back after all my other organs came back. And uh, I was at a stage five, so they were basically dead. And uh, wow. after about five months on dialysis, I was able to um, see my kidneys come back. And they came back to a stage three which means I didn't have to do dialysis anymore, but only if I only have about a third of kidney function to this day. So I'm officially a diabetic, and, and I, I've got to really watch what I eat and uh, make sure I take the medication. So it's it, in the end, I developed retinopathy in my eyes and uh, caused glaucoma in my right eye and uh, it just—it it was like a domino effect health-wise, so I, I still suffer from it after all these years. But you know what? I was dead, and I came back to life. And that, I mean, was, and I, I don't want to minimize any of the, you know, any of these ongoing health issues that you're dealing with, like, oh, you know, happily ever after. But let's just pause a moment and, and just acknowledge that is a miracle. That is a miracle that you are alive after that experience. I can't tell you how many staff members at the hospital would come in, even when they weren't assigned to me, and would tell me that, and would say, I was working ER the night or the morning you were brought in, and, and they would say, we, we knew you weren't going to make it, and we prayed for you, or, or some people you know, didn't say that at all, but they, they felt badly for me, and Right, and they were watching. Yeah, they were they were watching, they were observing. Watching. Yeah, yeah, and so they were able to see me not only come back to life, but to be somewhat restored health wise to the point where I was able to eventually walk around without a walker, uh, which took several months. But uh, 
But yeah, yeah, I had to, this respiratory nurse was having to take breathing treatments every four hours. And uh, this respiratory nurse would come in overnight. She, that was his particular shift. Very transparent. He said, you know, I've seen a lot of death in my career. And he said, I was there when you came in. And he said, I didn't think you were going to make it. But you know what? He said, when death comes, we have very little to do with it. It's like you are a flower being plucked out of the meadow, and you can't stop it. It was a very pronounced way of putting it, and he was right. It really felt that way. Wow, that is, I'm just trying to process that statement right now. You know, I guess the first thing that comes to mind there, you know, it, it's just the fact that it's a, it's a Bible verse that, of course, I can't uh, recall the the address of it, but basically our our, our days and the number of our days are in his hands. He numbers them. So, yes, yes, God alone decides that moment, and it is out of our hands. And we do have very little to do with it. I was interviewing uh, Greg X. Bowles uh, of Petra uh, the other day for uh, ccmclassic.com and for a radio show. And uh, he wanted to hear my story, and I told him. And... He said the very same thing. He said, yeah, remember, our, our days are numbered. And he said, your number wasn't up. Right. And it's true. You know, every right. day that you look at the calendar, if you're still breathing, it's because that's not the day God has set. Right. And isn't it amazing how, you know, we certainly want to be good stewards over this life. We certainly, you know, we've been given this this body for this life. And you and I as Christians believe that this is not all there is. But... um but in a sense, this time that we have in this body is temporal. Um, yes. So we want to be, you know, we want to take care of ourselves. And yet there's such a, a desperation to hold on, to hold on, to preserve, to, you know. Um, and it's not that those things don't matter, but it is really fascinating that we, we strive so, whole, so, so much to hold on to something that in the end is really out of our hands. Yeah. And I think yeah. sometimes we forget that. You know, it's interesting. My spirit, my personality, the core of who I am, never changed. Uh, it, even when I was in a coma, I mean, I was so aware of, of who I am uh, and who God was. Even though my body was basically dead or, or on death's door, it was being kept alive by machines, my, my, uh, the core of who I am never once suffered, never once changed. It never degraded uh, like, like a dead animal might uh, in his personality, his or hers. So that, that, was, and that has biblical backup, and that, that really helped me to understand more about how I have been created, that I am a triune being, and that that part of me will live forever. And uh, and I think of that every day. Yes, yes. Uh, in fact, um, you know, the last few months of my mother's life, there was a verse that, that kept coming back to me. Um, it's out of Second Corinthians. It says, though, um, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are yeah. being renewed 
day by day and it goes on but just that whole idea is yeah so this shell might be deteriorating and someday yeah it's it's going to give out um but who we are that doesn't fade in fact it's yes. as christians you know it's it's being renewed and we become the closer we get to that moment i i believe the more we become who we really are yes yeah that is so true and you and you, you look for things in life that you can learn from. Uh, this one of the reasons why I started my blog. Uh, I know we were going to talk about that. But yes, so tell us. Now. Yeah, tell us about uh, your blog. You know, Great was, segue. I think it was uh, last July. Yeah, July of 17. Uh, I, uh, I was encouraged by my wife and... Uh, I to to start a blog, and I thought, what is a blog anyway? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, sure, on radio these days, everybody has a blog, and you know, they're writing things like, well, I, you know, I had a bologna sandwich today. How about you? You know, that kind of thing. And I thought you I should thought, know. I don't want to yeah. do anything like that, you know. And, but yeah. see, that's what Instagram's uh, for. You take a picture of it. No, yeah. Yeah, I know that you know what I mean when I say this. That. Um, not being active in the arts and and using your talents, you crave to do it. Right. And I craved to write again, uh, to act, to get to sing again. And and I uh, physically, I knew that I could at least write again. And I love teaching. Uh, spiritual truths, uh, and so I decided to write, write a blog. So it was like a, a weekly article that I write every week now. And, and I, you know, I am transparent in there. I mean, I, I talk about stuff that, you know, that's not too kind about myself, and, and I, I, I lay it all out there, you know. And, and then also things that, that encourage me or should inspire other people, hopefully, and so uh, so I, I do write about things I miss and the things that used to be, and, and yet what that teaches me today. So I do that every week now, and that has really been a, a that really has filled a big gap in my life in that I feel like I'm able to teach at the same time, I'm able to express and to creatively write again, uh, and so I, I've enjoyed that. I... Um, by the way, that address, uh, self-promotion, fuelfortheraceblog.wordpress.com. That's fuelfortheraceblog.wordpress.com. You can follow me and, you know, whatever, and make comments and slide comments or whatever you want to do. But I, I enjoy doing that and putting up pictures of, of whatever I'm talking about. And, I mean, I do relate it to music quite often Absolutely. so i will often take some lyric of some song and place it up there first to go and set up uh whatever i'm about to talk about very much like what we used to do with vignettes for the sermon of the of the pastor right and uh, and that one still works out really well exactly and you know i really have enjoyed you know i i i've I have followed your blog. In fact, um, you're you're quite a talented writer. Uh, really, I love the way you express yourself. Um, I actually lifted a little a section of one of your recent posts uh, because you know a lot of what we're talking about, what what you're talking about, you know, that need to express yourself, that you know, that need as a creative. Words matter, right? I mean, words they yeah. they matter. Um, we 
we live off of them. We, you know, we derive meaning from them. And, and I believe the way we communicate is important. And it's, it's not just words, it's tone of voice, it's inflection, it's body language, it's all of that. But it's, it boils down to the, the things that we are communicating matters. And so I want to just read a little quote from one of your recent posts. Um, you sure. say, how quickly we burn our fuses and usually for small insignificant reasons. You say one thing that I may misunderstand, followed by my knee-jerk reaction, followed by your shock of my tone, and then you raise it to another level, etc. Isn't that the way it goes? And then you go on, you know, you talk about being in, in uh, traffic, right? Heavy traffic, someone rolls down the window and says, hey, your car needs to be smashed. And then this whole misinterpreted, you know, misinterpretation of thinking, oh, they want to smash my car, when really what they were saying is, no, your car is smashing, you know, in a British kind of a way. Um, but you know, the, the way we hang off of words or misunderstand words or, or infer things or imply things. I just want to kind of get a little more of your take on that. What, what prompted you to write about that? You know, I, I just, I watch, uh, I watch news. Actually, I watch too much news. I'm a news hound. And, uh, I, you know, I, I just see the nastiness of, of our society today. And, and the culture and where it's going, uh, and and watching uh, anchors on the news, you know, argue and and almost spit at each other, and it, you know, it's after a while you have to turn it off and reboot, and you know, and get some quiet time, and and I, I it just caused me to realize, you know, we all have short fuses anyway, and then to to just add to that sometimes. Uh, when you don't realize you are, can cause you to have a short fuse. Uh, and, you know, maybe you don't like the political atmosphere in the world today or in your country or whatever. You know, there's time to push away. I have friends that I see on Facebook who just do nothing but harp on what they don't like about politics today right. or a certain person or a certain party. Right. And that's all they do anymore. You know, they, they don't put anything out there about themselves and what they're doing in life or, or asking how things are. Uh, they're, just, they're just constantly chewing on an individual in politics. And, and I'm like, I don't want to go there. You know, I, I keep that person as a friend, but, you know, I, I just move on. I just scroll down and go to my next friend and... And uh, I don't want to be like that. So I thought, you know, I'll write this article about short fuses and how it can wrench up uh, a significant heat that you don't necessarily have to have. Right, right. Because, you know, at the heart of it is, is, is misunderstanding, right? You know, I misunderstand you because you've said something or you've said it a certain way or maybe you said it perfectly fine but because of my filter and my baggage and my background, I'm, I'm interpolating it a- accordingly. So at the heart of all of this is misunderstanding. We, and and yeah. I think it's, it's, reached a, it's reached a critical mass in culture, as, as I see it, according to my understanding with my filters. Um, but, you know, at the heart of that, I think, is we're not really listening to each other. You know, everyone's talking yeah. and no one's listening. And it breathes. It breeds hate, which is the opposite of what we're told to do. You know, we're supposed to love each other, even though we may disagree 
about certain issues, we're still to love one another and right. put the other person first. And you're supposed to do that in marriage. You're supposed to do that yeah. from neighbors. Yeah, that's what I hear. Yeah. So, you know, and I think maybe in, in some ways, in many ways, we've equated love with agreement. Well, unless you can agree with me, I can't love you. And, you know, we, exactly. we like, you know, and we, we bandy about with words, you know, like tolerance and, and diversity and all of that. And, and that, that's fine. I think we're supposed to be tolerant. We're supposed to, you know, accept diversity. But it's it's become a little convoluted. We, we think that tolerance means, well, you know, I, I will, I will tolerate you from my place on high. You're wrong. Um, but I will tolerate you. And that's really not what it was supposed to be. It's, you know, uh, it, it boils down to this idea of, of misunderstanding each other and, yeah. you know, and what's underneath that, the misunderstanding is I think a lot of assumptions that we make and a lot sure. of, you know, a lot of uh, our own baggage that we we misinterpret as well. If if it's my experience, then that must be what's true and normal because I think so. <laughs> so, and it's just a yeah. crazy cycle. So it's true. Yeah. So I'm glad you're writing about this kind of stuff, and you have so many other things. I was reading a really interesting piece about um, just the Holocaust remembrance. That you 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 speaking of diversity, you have a diverse range of topics that you write about. I highly recommend checking out Alan's blog. Um, tell us again the name of your blog. Sure. Fuelfortheraceblog.wordpress.com. .wordpress.com. Yes. So very much worth checking out. So, Alan, I could just keep you on this line all day long because there's so much. There's so much, so many fascinating things about you and about your story. Um, but I know we have to kind of bring this in for a landing. So tell us about, all right, you got the blog. Tell us... All right, five years ago, all this was happening. You've started all over. In a nutshell, tell us what's going on with you now. Mm, well, shortly uh, after I was able to get back on my feet again, after some, some rehabilitation, I was able to get back into church, but I joined a Messianic congregation, a bunch of Christian Jews that was just down the street from me. And I have always loved that ministry anyway, that, that, that kind of ministry. And uh, before you know it, I was asked to join the worship band, and, and then that went on into another worship band and another Messianic congregation. So I'm, I'm able to sing again and, uh, and worship with music on Friday nights and Saturday mornings at two different churches. So that's what I'm doing now. I'm, I'm, I'm very much into worshiping with music again and, and being able to do that with some talented folks. And uh, also, uh, I'm working with a friend on ccmclassic.com, which is an online radio station, really uh, spotlighting the old classic contemporary Christian music artists uh, from Steve Archer and, and I mentioned Petra earlier, and My Love Affair Were Broken Heart and Twilo Paris. And, and, oh, my. And it's really oh, yeah. To pull out these old songs and, and to interview these guys and what they're doing today so doing some writing and some producing and uh and interviewing with them and maybe even doing a a countdown magazine kind of show i may be doing that sometime this year as well but that's just on a part-time thing that i'm doing but i just love it it's i've gone into it headlong and it's it's part of my past and 
I want to be able to uh, educate listeners on on where we've been uh, in the Christian music world. So, Alan, I'm just listening to all this, and I'm really kind of in awe because going back to, all right, so you left Buffalo, have a job, job shuts down. So there's a sort of a death to that, right? So, and, and then some other things happen, and you and it's all halted by this near-death experience where you should have died and you didn't, and now you're starting all over again. And again, not to minimize or sugarcoat or time-lapse photography, any of it, because it's been a long road for you, but to hear all this, you know, the restoration that you're back in, in doing radio and writing and producing and using those gifts and those talents, that it's just amazing. And, and not to mention the Messianic Church that you're involved in. I mean, it's it's death, burial, resurrection just playing out in your life. And not to mention, you got married about a year ago, did you not? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was April 1st, April Fool's Day. Ah. And uh, so we kid each other. But it still took, right? Yeah, it's like, it, was it a real marriage license or was that an April Fool thing? But no, yeah. Uh, uh, an old friend of mine from high school, actually, she was two years younger than I was. Well, she still is. And, uh, and, but she was like my kid's sister in high school. And we met up again on Facebook uh, a couple of years ago and uh, started having coffee for, you know, we were actually in the dating mode. And yeah, so it all worked out real well. It was uh, the Lord just brought us together and, and it's been a great thing. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those, uh, one of those times I can look back and say, you know, this was the a right decision to make, and and how that God had orchestrated a roadmap to get me to this crux in my life, and she's part of it. So yeah, Michelle is a, is a wonderful wife. So just and one more indication of this this restoration and a new life literally new yeah. life for you. Um, so I have to believe that there's somebody listening that, you know, maybe is going through, maybe, who knows, I don't know what the, the astronomical odds are that somebody could have gone through an identical experience where their life literally almost comes to an end. Or or just, yeah. or just, like I'm saying, just as if, if it doesn't mean anything significant, but you know, going through a season where it seems like everything has crashed down and my the life as I know it is 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 over or you know, and, and now I'm not sure what's what's ahead of me. Um, what an encouragement to hear your story that, you know, even when it seems like life is over, even when it seems like everything that you that has defined who you are has come to an end. With God it's not over. And we don't we're not in control of it. We certainly do make decisions, but our fate, the, the pressure of it does not lie in our hands. It's, it's in hands that are far bigger than ours. When, when I'm asked to speak about my experience, uh, I, I always say, I never look at the resurrection stories in the Bible the same way as I used to. I, I see now more of the miracle of it that Lazarus was brought back from the dead, and it doesn't say anything about rehabilitation. Mm. You know, he was new when he came back, uh, when Jesus brought him out of the grave. And 
So I, it, it is. It is a. Uh, it, it's it's a life changing thing, and it makes you spiritually more aware when you go through something like that, and it and it teaches you if you don't learn something that in life when you go through things then you're looking in the wrong direction you, you truly must learn from everything that happens to you and, and what you do in life whether it's good decisions or bad decisions uh you can you can come out the other side with god holding your hand and you can look you can look forward to a bright future and and when god's not done with you it's going to be. It's never going to be dark. That's for sure. But yeah, that's that's the way it should be. Well, Alan, thank you so much for sharing your story and sharing so much wisdom. Um, I'm gonna give one more plug, and then I'll, of course, I'm gonna throw it up on the website with uh, the link for this podcast. Um, so, fuel for the race blog dot wordpress dot com. That's how you can find his blog. And he also mentioned uh, radio. Uh, endeavor ccmclassic.com so i highly recommend checking those out and alan i would love to have you back at some point i'm sure you have much more wisdom to share with us um, but i just want to thank you so much for visiting us today on the aisle of thank you Nancy. god bless you it's good to hear your voice again we love you oh we love you too alan take care What a great talk with my good friend, Alan Brown. Something for everyone, really, from music trivia to redemption and new life when all seems lost. So if you know someone who'd be encouraged or just who might need to know the difference between Casting Crowns and Mercy Me, by all means, share this podcast. And you can find Alan at his blog, fuelfortheraceblog.wordpress.com, as well as his classic Christian music website, ccmclassic.com and of course you can come on over and visit me any old time at the isleofmisfits.com that's i-s-l-e of misfits.com for more great conversations like these and occasional blog posts about whatever's on my misfit mind next time you're in for a real treat as we welcome back elizabeth thompson to the aisle she's a lot of fun and you won't want to miss it so until then here's your assignment own your awkward Love your fellow misfit and look for beauty and truth everywhere.